Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, James shares his non-traditional path from the University of Georgia to working at UBS in investment banking once he graduated. We'll hear about a big risk he took delaying graduation, how he recovered when he was forced to finish his analyst stint early, and why he ended up back in IB at Lazard a few years later before finally making the transition to private equity. Enjoy. All right, James, welcome to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thanks for having me. So it'd be great if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Yeah, sure. So I guess um, I grew up in Atlanta, went to the University of Georgia. Um, after that, I worked at UBS um, in investment banking. I also worked at Lazard in investment banking. Um, and on the private equity side, I've worked at Excel KKR and now a firm in LA called Diversus Capital. Um, all pretty much, I guess, either tech or software sort of focused. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I'm in, I just started my second year as an associate at, uh, at my company there in LA. Cool. And so you've been out of school for about five years, right? Give or take. Uh, I do the math. Yeah, that's, that's about right. five years. <laughs> Crazy how time flies, right? Um, I just... I just turned 41 yesterday, so I'm like I'm like an ancient for a startup land in Silicon Valley. But, anyways, uh, so let's go back all the way to uh, to undergrad and just hear a little bit about what kind of drew you to finance. Was it always kind of on the horizon? Do you have family in the business? How did you end up there? Uh, no, honestly, like no no real connections. I really didn't even know about investment banking for I'd say the majority of my college career until kind of the last bit where I really had to hustle. Um, and initially I think I was just watching, like, I really liked to show suits. And so I'd, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I thought I'd become a corporate lawyer or at least try. Um, and I guess at UGA, at least what I noticed is that when I was taking my finance classes, um, all the kind of top kids in those classes were all getting these jobs. Um, you know, these, I guess, you know, pretty coveted roles in my opinion, uh, at least at that time, especially, um, you know, and they were going from the finance programs to these bullish bracket banks. And I said, okay, this is something I should look into. And I think that's what sort of caught my eye, just seeing people that I kind of respected mm-hmm. um, pursuing something that, you know, seemed like a pretty difficult to achieve goal. And that's what initially attracted me to it. And so. Um, and what, what year was that? Would you say, was that like junior year by that point? <laughs> it, yeah, it was junior year. So I was already behind um, way behind. And I, at that time I had no, no internships. So your your resume was like pretty blank. Um, you you had a lot of good athletic stuff, and it sounds like your GPA was super high. So you had that going for you. Yeah, fortunately, my GPA I had going for me. Um, I guess athletics for what that counts, but um, 
as soon as I kind of figured out what the, the credentials were to getting a job, I just sort of um, started stacking up as many internships as I can, frankly, or I could, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I even extended my graduation a year to kind of buy me some more time. Oh, cool. Yeah, we can talk about that decision because I think <laughs> there's a lot of people in that seat where they get to junior year and they're just like, especially now, it's like even even earlier than when you were there. And so they like they get there and there's just no seats and they're like, wait a second, how did how is this already done? Right. Or uh, I'm a, you know almost two years away from graduating. Um, yep. So tell me a little bit about just so you kind of it sounds like kind of junior year you started saying, okay, this finance thing's interesting. And you talked about stacking internships. Tell me how you kind of first landed that first internship and how you managed to do it kind of during the year. Yeah. Okay. So I guess thinking back, it was. Um, it was my junior year, second semester, and yeah, I had no internships, but there was this local investment bank in Athens called Bridge Capital Partners. Athens is where uh, George is. Mm-hmm. And um, all the guys in our, you know, our finance club, not all the guys, but a lot of people intern there. Um, they, they all seem to be able to secure kind of these bullish bracket offers. And so um, I honestly just pinged them a bunch of times. Um, and this doesn't always work, but frankly, he said no the first few times. And then um eventually called me back and just asked me if i wanted to grab coffee then i started an internship there that day um and so that was i'd say my first exposure to any sort of transaction or deal type when you said you messaged him how many times did you message him before giving up and how far apart did you put that (laughs) was it like every week you were hitting him up or was like every three weeks four weeks i'd say for a good so first i i emailed him twice and he didn't answer me so i just called him yeah um, and left him a voicemail and then I emailed him one more time, or then he, then he responded to my email saying, you know, it's probably not going to work. He's already kind of filled up. Um, and then I sent him one more follow-up email kind of saying, you know, explaining myself, explaining kind of what I was looking to get out of it. And, you know, if there's any exception he can make, obviously that's great. If not, then I'll stop pestering him. And uh, fortunately, I guess out of the, after the fourth contact, he, um, yeah, he just responded in a, in a positive way. Do you think it was like the way you framed it? Like, I'll stop bothering you kind of a little more relaxed. Like you showed persistence, but you were kind of ready to back off. Or what do you think kind of, you can always fit one more intern, right? It's kind of like one of those things. So just the way you came across, you thought was good in that email? I, I don't know. I think, I think it was um, the content of my first few emails and probably just throughout the entire dialogue that helped kind of explain why it was so important to me and, you know, what, what I was looking to get out of it. What did you say? Do you remember? Or can you pull it up? Because <laughs> this is like, you know, because like a lot of, a lot of kids, yeah, a lot of kids, like, they just don't know exactly how to phrase things and like how, you know, right, you know right. the reality is you just needed that, in, that first internship, right? To even have yeah. for your resume. So did you, how honest were you with that? Yeah, no, I, I was, I totally, you know, I explained to him kind of my vulnerabilities and my strengths. I said, look, like, you know, I really want this. It's an uphill battle. Um, I, I have no internships yet. I have a good GPA. You know, I've been involved in sports and I've kind of worked, um, you know, to help, I guess, make money during college. And I just didn't quite understand what it took or what was required to get into this. And, um, you know, I could work any hours, like whatever time for free. Um, you know, I, I think I even like made a joke, like I'd even do his laundry or something like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I should explain my situation and I wasn't afraid to say that I didn't have any experience, but you know, I was willing to learn and eager to do it. That's great. I love it. That tends to get a really good response. If you like kind of make a humble joke and if there's any room for you, they'll tend to make room. And even if there's not, sometimes they'll like find a friend that could 
give you an, in, an internship. I put it in quotes because oftentimes they'll just let you put stuff on your resume that helps open those doors. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how did that go? Did you actually do laundry or did, were there, <laughs> was there any good work? Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was great. So it's kind of funny. Like I see why he makes it kind of, so I don't want to say selective, but he doesn't take on that many it's because he, he, his office is basically out of his house. Um, and he does work on deals, you know, he works on, um, I guess a good bit of deals. Um, and a lot of it, I think he kind of got to that age where he wanted to kind of like pay it, pay it forward or pay it backward, I guess a little bit. Um, and you know, part of the internship, the first two hours, he would just teach us things. I mean, he wouldn't even be working on things that were making him money. He'd just be like, this is what this works. I mean, or this is what this means. Um, I mean, he was like, this is what EBITDA means. Like this is, you know how leverage works, whatever it is, right? I mean, he just kind of gave a little boot camp every time you came in, um, which is, I mean, you know, in hindsight, I don't think, I don't know if there are very many people, you know, that do that, so. For sure, that's awesome for interns. Like, he's, it's his own business, and he's kind of taking time out to train the interns yeah. a little bit. Yeah, so how, big, how big was the group? Like, three, four of you at a time? Yeah, it was about three interns every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They would go in, and we'd all kind of work, and then. Cool get taught by bob sounds fun so that's kind of spring so what do you do what's the plan for the summer uh, junior summer is a critical summer yeah so um i did that for about a year um and then i took a semester off to stack internships actually so i guess i'll preface this by saying this is a risk that i I took i don't know if it's always going to pay off but um i figured it was the only way so I took a semester off um, in the fall and basically stacked internships. So I was working there at that uh, boutique investment bank. And then I also picked up this internship in Atlanta at the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, So basically Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'd work in Athens. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would commute to Atlanta um, and do that internship. So by the time recruiting came around, right, I had two, I guess, somewhat okay um, internships, which is what I needed. Then I also tutored. Uh, student athletes at Georgia, which was also on my resume, but those were the three kind of things um, that I was, you know, that I put on my resume that helped me kind of break in. So you took, you're saying you took the fall senior year off? Yeah. And I remember I said, I took, I took a fifth year as well. Yeah. You did a full, but did you, was it a full year or you just did an extra tacked on an extra semester at the end and like graduated in December? I, I tacked on an extra semester at the end. And graduated early, basically yep. Early yep. In, the, in the winter. Okay. So you're, Interesting. Okay. So you're, I want to hear how this works out because not a lot of people are willing to actually like completely change their college schedule because it's, it's scary, right? Not what everyone else is doing. Yeah, so yeah. I'd love to hear just, okay. So you had that full year, then you stacked it with that other internship. So now your resume is filling out a little bit and you're going into kind of now the beginning of your senior year, but recruiting's already passed, right? You're like middle the way through the year, kind of what would it be? It would be like the winter, but I guess. Tell me how you kind of thought through that, that whole process of like, hey, I'm going to delay for one semester. Did you feel like you might miss a window? Well, no. So I guess when this happened, right, it was, I guess, junior year, spring semester is when I started, right? So by the summer, I had about six months of, um, you know, an investment banking internship, right? Um, and then I did that throughout the summer. And then when fall hit, right, that's kind of when recruiting starts, I guess. Yep. Um, but, fall, you know, during that, at least, you know, five years ago, recruiting extended several months right i mean even up till november december yeah um and so during that the first semester right that fall semester i was working both jobs and during 
you know, while I was working, I guess, while during my internship at um, the uh, SEC is when I started, started um, interviewing. Got it. So this it just, is for full-time roles? No, this was for, this is for internships. This is for internships the following yeah. summer, but, but you would have been, you never really had a, you ever never really had an internship, a junior summer internship. This is for like a junior summer internship equivalent? Exactly. Exactly. So I was interviewing for junior summer internships as a senior. As a senior who had delayed a semester. As a senior, so, delayed, exactly. Yeah. So you were like willing to not only to do the delay, but then so that, that would, that would delay you a little bit in terms of like six months. To, so it wasn't like you had this whole year, or like huge time gap. You yeah. And just try to go straight into kind of convert it or like, was the thought process do this junior summer? And then what were you going to do if they gave you an offer to join a year later? Uh, well, so no. So when I was interviewing, right, it was still the fall before even a junior internships would a junior internship from the investment banking perspective would have even happened. Right. So as my senior, when my senior year started is when I started interviewing. Um, but they categorized me as a junior because I put my graduation date, um, a year after. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. So I was interviewing for that junior internship as a senior, having delayed my graduation date in order to even, I guess, be able to participate on that. Cause I didn't think there, there's, um, there'd be a really a way to get it otherwise. Right. At least not, um, not no, it makes around. sense. Yeah. The junior, junior summer internship is kind of the window, which you don't want to miss. So you're delaying your graduation enough so that you're kind of categorized as a junior, you get into that, that process. Tell me a little bit about how many, you know, resume drops you made and then like what your conversions were with those two internships kind of now on your resume. Uh, you mean as uh, I was recruiting for a summer analyst position? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that that was still a really tough process for me, um, just in general. But I think like twenty resume drops and two first round interviews. Like, what was it looking like? Or 10? Oh, in terms of that, I guess I was getting actually really little traction across the board. Um, I think I was just. I wasn't really even submitting resumes. I guess I was, but not through HR. I was, I was doing it solely through contacts or LinkedIn uh, where I'd reach out to somebody and somehow get them my resume and then, you know, pass it along to HR. And then I'd kind of um, apply to HR. Uh, but really what I started doing was um, I, I just started booking flights to New York, honestly. Uh, and I'd go out there for a week during kind of school, right? And I would um, set up coffee chats with the people that I wanted to, um, that I connected with on LinkedIn. Yep. Um, and I think kind of that face-to-face -face connection um, just kind of it helped separate me from other people just pinging them on LinkedIn. And that's kind of where I started getting a lot more traction. And there were not like resume drops at, uh, at your school. There wasn't enough to actually get any first rounds or anything like that. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone recruited at Georgia really, except for um, a few people. A couple. Okay. So you were really hustling to do it yourself. And so you're actually flying up to New York meeting with people how many of those meetings do you feel like how many times you do that your your output in quotes your senior year so like a couple times a couple times that yeah so i did it i did it once um which got me a few other interviews or, or a few interviews right but what what really helped me is once i got those few interviews i followed up with people who i told that or i you know i tried to meet up with and i told or who i did meet up with told that i'd got those interviews and then they were able to get me interviews um at their respective bank so <laughs> you suddenly became the hot commodity. <laughs> I would say that it, it definitely helped and it was a way in. Um, yeah. Nice. Do you remember like what those initial interviews were like or who the, who they were with or the other bulge brackets boutique? Um, 
Yeah, so I guess, you know, I'll give a few examples. One was that it was Deutsche Bank, um, someone I just reached out to, and then HR contacted me, and then they brought me in, and it, was, it wasn't even in their sort of typical Super Day, um, you know, format, right? It was just meeting with, I, I think HR lined up a few people, I met with all of them, and then that was my day. Um, so it was around five interviews, 30 minutes apiece. And you had no clue of like what that meant in terms of like how long you're, they were going to take to get back to you or what? And what was that? What was the communication? Um, no, well, they didn't say exactly when they'd get back to me because it, it almost felt very informal um, with that one specifically, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they said they'd get back to me. They eventually did and said, you know, Deutsche Bank didn't work out. Um, and then I continued to interview and eventually I got an offer at UBS. Um, but what, what also helped me a lot is um, I got an offer at UBS and around that time during it, I also got um, an offer from SEO. I don't know if you're familiar with SEO. Um, yes, I do know SEO. Yeah, the, the um, unrepresented minority program. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's search, uh, what's it called? Like a, something. Um, Sponsors for Sponsors education. for education. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we work with SEO. They, uh, they actually have a lot of mentor. We put like, 200 of their we did like 200 sessions of private equity interview prep for their uh for their people to help yeah them. yeah yeah this past summer so yeah i know i know seo well so okay so they they you you got in there and so that helped you a lot right because that's like a channel yeah exactly well the same week i got both offers um from ubs and seo and then what what happened was seo typically places you but they ended up placing me at ubs because i was already kind of in there yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that was kind of the start. Cool. Okay, and then uh, let's talk about your time at UBS, the grind of uh, banking. It's 16 to 18, 2016 to 18. Um, so did you have a little bit of time off then before you started working? Or what was the what did you do in those six months? Yeah, so that, that was when I worked at Excel KKR um, for the six months. Oh, you didn't even take a break. You went straight into another internship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to make the same mistake twice. Okay, so you stacked another internship. And you, um, what was that like? Is it like a private equity internship? Is that hard to get? I assume. Yeah. Well, in Atlanta, there's aren't that many private equity firms. Um, so I think maybe in Atlanta, they typically are. I mean, people I work with in New York, I feel like all of them kind of came into banking with one or two private equity internships. But um, yeah, I mean, that was sort of a similar situation. I ended up just reaching out to them, um, asking them if I could work for them, gave them my resume and followed up a few times. Um, and it just so happened they had hired, you know, a few senior people that needed some, I guess, immediate support that they were recruiting an associate for. And so they're like, you know, why not have some extra manpower? And so, yeah, I interned there for about six months before even starting uh, full-time at UBS. Do you remember if it was paid? It was paid. Ten bucks an hour. Nice. <laughs> an hour an hour, I heard. What is it now? The internship there is 20 an hour now. 20, yeah. nice. Very good. Okay, so you were you were there for a good eight months. Um, you feel like you learned a lot or was it mostly like just organizing stuff, admin, or were you actually like looking at, like looking through sims and stuff and looking at businesses? Um, yeah, no, it was, it was a little bit of both. I think at first it was more so kind of your traditional intern work where you're just kind of being passed down things that people just want to get out of their way. Um, but it, it did start to transition as I got to know people a little bit more into more meaningful work. And I think um, ultimately I got enough there. I, I got you know, a good bit out of it to where I felt like, you know, obviously I, I didn't have a true private equity experience, but I at least knew what I was talking about and could speak to like kind of uh, process, deals, rationale. Did, did they let you sit in like on the investment committee meetings and stuff like that? 
Yeah, they did. That's cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's cool to see that at such a young age. Okay. So you're um, kind of going from that straight into your investment banking analyst into UBS and you, what, what's it like right, right out of the gate? Are you kind of, you're going through training, you're trying to get up to speed. Do you feel like you had a lot to learn? Do you feel like you're, it was easy because you had kind of the finance background or what was it like? Yeah, I'd say, um, I'd say just kind of getting used to New York was, you know, a big part of it, um, just moving. And, but in terms of the job, I'd say that I came in with enough, you know, enough kind of of a foundational skill to be able to kind of hit the ground running per se. But I was, I was still learning throughout the first six months of time. I mean, it's a ton of hours. Um, you know, you're working on live deals and even with those internships, I'd say it's, it, you're just kind of not thrown into the, into the trenches and in internships like that. Right. And so you still kind of have a lot to learn when you start, but I, I did have at least a foundation that helped kind of, you know, um, facilitate that. Were the hour, was it like tough in terms of just getting used to the lifestyle of like living at the office? So I was actually a bit surprised with hours. You, you, it wasn't as bad. Well, it was, and then it wasn't, right? It was only bad. I mean, it was bad for two weeks in a row, but I didn't understand that after that two-week kind of, you know, chaos that you get kind of a week where everyone's taking off around five, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's kind of ebb and flow like that. You know, when you're, when you're working, you're really working, and when you're not, you're not at all. I mean, you're just kind of doing nothing all day. Yeah, laundry around the office, a lot of yeah. downtime. So tell me a little bit about just how things progressed. So it sounds like the first six months you were learning a lot. Things kind of plateaued a little bit in terms of your you're learning. It sounds like, was that why you kind of started looking or what was the thought process or was private equity on the horizon? Um, yeah. So I guess, I mean, this is a, I don't even know if there's enough time in this podcast for this one, but yeah, it's, it's a bit of transition or uh, I guess a different path, right? I think um, I was about a year into almost a year and a half into my analyst uh, program at UPS. Right. And um, I just need to go back to Atlanta for um, uh, to help out some family or deal some family things. Um, and so I ended up having to leave my analyst program early. Um, and during that time, basically, you know, I was going back to Atlanta, um, needed to kind of get my foot in the ground again. And I just reached out to Excel KKR, the same people I worked out, <laughs> worked out before and, um, you know, for a position kind of told them again, um, uh, you know, moving back, this is going on, looking for a job, you know, do you guys have anything for me? Unfortunately, um, I built out built up some pretty strong connections during my internship to where um, things ended up working out. That's amazing. Yeah. That's not always the case. I mean, look, look, that internship was a good eight months before you started your banking stint. So mm-hmm. looking back, you're like, wow, I'm really happy I did that. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Cause it led to that kind of seamless, seamless transition or, or as seamless as it could be. Right. Um, given the, given the kind of, you had to cut your analyst in short. So you're back home. Um, you're working for cell KKR kind of, Right. It looks like a little bit of consulting as well. They have a consulting practice there. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So I guess I'll back up a little bit because um, I think this is important too. Um, during, I guess, during my second year of my analyst program, actually, I also got an offer from HIG and private equity. Um, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, because of the situation I just mentioned, I had to forfeit that as well. Um, and so I did go to Excel KPR, albeit on their consulting team, because um, that's where more of the full-time position was. Yeah. Uh, their, their entire team, the investment team is pretty much in San Francisco too, um, which, which was great because it was something um, and I did give it a chance, but ultimately, you know, I, my goal was still to do traditional private equity. Um, but yeah, no, that's exactly what I worked with uh, their, 
their internal consulting team, so ex kind of McKenzie type guys, and very different work than what I was used to. Um, but it was still good. And I learned a lot. There's a little bit of a detour. If we're yeah. being honest. It's a little detour because you had to be home. Um, but that's, you know, that happens, right? Um, people are forced to kind of take a, take a detour of necessarily where they want to go. The hard part is actually getting back on and not falling way off the track. Like you still had a rel, you know, a related job. Yeah. Um, and so tell me how kind of once things were, you're, you're able to kind of move again out, out of Atlanta. Tell me a little bit about how you thought about that next move. Why not go straight recruit to, to private equity or did you try and it was just impossible and you had to go back to the banking route? Yeah, so I guess I knew I wanted to do that uh, or go into private equity, right? And I, I articulated that both to Excel KKR um, and Headhunters, right? And so there are two paths there. The thing with Excel KKR is um, they, uh, I guess the thing, you know, they, they hire in cycles like everyone else. And so um, it, it just seemed like there might have been an opportunity or there might have not, right? It's just depending on, it depended on if things opened up. Um, and I didn't want to get pigeonholed into that uh, consulting team. Um, so I felt like I kind of needed to move now. Otherwise, um, otherwise there's not going to be a chance. I'm going to miss my window. Um, so <laughs> essentially I recruited for both. Um, I guess I recruited for private equity first, right? Cause obviously that's what I wanted to do. Uh, but I also recruited for banking and, you know, just looked at, um, groups that I thought were really strong that placed really well. Um, uh, and I thought, I guess the rationale for that was, I guess one, it helped kind of I guess it helped kind of put me back on that traditional timeline of the recruiting cycle and, you know, with a more typical profile. Um, and, and that's what I thought would, you know, help kind of make the transition back to private equity through PE um, a little bit easier. For sure. Yeah. So tell me like, so you started interviewing the PE, like, did you get to any final rounds with private equity shops or how did that work? Yeah, no, I was, I was doing well. Um, I mean, not well, I guess I, I got a few, um, leads I interviewed at Marlin what's their final round um, and then a few what other about firms. what about the HI, HIG offer that you had before they just they they weren't open at that point yeah it was it was kind of just water on the bridge really too late yeah <laughs> oh man that's got to be like a little bit disheartening like you you make it through like all those processes and they're like here's the offer and you're like I can't take it and then like only a year and a half later they're like nope <laughs> Yeah, it was also, I mean, incredibly difficult to explain the situation to headhunters, right? Because it's so, I'd say it's so unique compared to a lot of people, right? And so, it, just like now, they, they spend a lot of time trying to wrap their heads around, you know, what, what, what was going like, on. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're yeah. going a year and a half here, year and a half there. Right. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, but you, you know, you're, you're interviewing, you're kind of explaining your story, and then you end up at Lazard up in Boston, right? So, tell me, um, you're just looking for a strong, strong brand name, strong kind of placement to PE. Was a thought process like stay on the East Coast or was there any thought process of Boston versus Atlanta versus New York? Because you've been now New York, Atlanta, Boston, and LA. Yeah, yeah. New York was intentional. Atlanta was intentional. Boston was totally just by chance. Um, <laughs> I won't take just... it personally, even though I got my Celtics hat on. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Look, I like Boston, but I think, you know, especially moving around, the place you live is only as good as the people you know there. Yeah. And frankly, I just didn't know that many people in Boston. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I went there. I got what I went there for, and then I left, and I don't know if I would be back. <laughs> so you're, you're kind of – when you start there, I mean, was Lazard at all – I mean, I think for any sort of lateral analysis this is a concern, people hiring, like, they're hiring a lateral analyst spot because they're filling a spot that typically like 
they need filled. Is yeah. there, was there any like, um, you know, you promise you're going to be here for at least like two years or a year. Is there anything like that on the interview front that you had to like say for sure? Or, yeah, no problem. Yeah, there, there definitely was. Uh, that, that was a discussion. Um, and, you know, I think for me, it, it, it wasn't something that I like, you know, you're an at will, it's an at will employer, right? So I guess, you, you know, you want to do, you want to give people the word to the best of your ability, right? And so I think um, that, that's what I try to do. And I said, you know, there, there's a version of me that you want to explore private equity, but, you know, I, I don't plan to just come here and, and leave immediately, right? And that wasn't my plan, right? And so, um, but it just it just ended up happening that way. And I think, um, you know, you got to be your own best advocate at times and do what's best for you. And so that's that's kind of what I ended up doing. And unfortunately, it meant that I left a little bit earlier than um, probably, you know, I, I guess I didn't do quite a year there, but. Um, yeah, you didn't even get a bonus, right? Yeah, I didn't even get a bonus. bonus. So, I mean, for them, maybe that was a good thing because I worked almost the full year and didn't, they didn't pay that out, so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so there's it's take the st- uh, didn't sting quite as much probably <laughs> to them but yeah so so you're you're kind of there for nine months what was it like just being in a complete you know now in a what we'll call like an elite boutique was it very different from the ubs kind of framework were you like given more responsibility did you how did you feel in terms of like the work life yeah that, that's a really good question so i i thought lazar and it makes sense right if you look at league, league tables and everything lazar was a much stronger i guess at least the group i was in a much stronger group mm-hmm. um and i learned you know when i got there I, I started learning right away and i think um it really did help me kind of i mean it, it, for the second time around it also helped me interview for private equity right because um you know in banking you can get caught in a group where you're just doing a lot of comps and updating cap iq and making presentations yeah. Or you get caught in a group where you're working on live deals, building an operating model, and you know, doing real diligence, uh, managing a process, right? And those are two very different experiences that set you up, you know, um, very differently. And I think I got much more of that at Lazard than UBS. And you got that within the first like four or five months? I got that within the first day. <laughs> wow. Well, not all of it, right? But it, I was on a deal as soon as I got there and it didn't stop until I left. Wow. Okay. So you're immediately getting thrown into live deals and so tell me when things start ramping up for, for PE recruiting for where you're at now, but just, was it like right away or was it six months in that you started like headhunters started calling and stuff? Yeah, exactly. Well, um, I think my plan was actually just to start interviewing for, um, uh, you know, on a more traditional cycle again. So one year out. Um, and so I started reaching out to, pre- or, um, you know, headhunters about six months in. Um, got them comfortable kind of format and told them, you know, my preference would be to go on a traditional cycle, um, you know, within a year, um, I guess, of, the, of then, I guess at that time. Yeah. Um, but as I was doing that, they kept passing a passing log of much of the immediate start. Yeah. So you were, so they kept being, they kept sending you immediate start stuff. even Exactly. Um, and eventually I started biting and yeah, um, now I'm here. Awesome. And, long-term you're thinking MBA what's the what's the goal and I know a lot of people don't want to go get the MBA it's been devalued yeah I, when I first started banking I did want an MBA I thought there's um I guess the chip on my shoulder um I just wanted kind of a blue chip resume or blue chip kind of stamp of you know one of the big three uh business schools on my resume but I think as I've started working it, it just I've seen that's become less and less valuable it's more about kind of references and you know how you perform on the job and i just don't see it being 
I, I just don't see the ROI there anymore at all. Talk to me a little bit about joining a new private equity shop in the middle of COVID. <laughs> Do you feel like you know your team at all? Or is it all Zoom? Have you ever met in person? Yeah, th this is the part you might have to cut. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I'd say um, it's, it's certainly not the best way to start any job, I guess, right? Um, I think there's, with any job, there's always going to be a learning curve. Um, and, you know, there's an aspect of camaraderie and getting to know people, things like that, that you only really get in an office. Um, and, you know, when you start a job with COVID, you miss all of that, right? So yeah. I think it's just much more difficult to ramp up, um, much more difficult to, you know, kind of find that natural mentor to who you can go to ask kind of those questions you wouldn't want to ask anyone else. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I guess overall it's not, you know, I wouldn't recommend it, but, it, I mean, it's not all bad. I think it's still fine, right? It's just I think I, I certainly noticed that there were things that were more difficult to start. Um, or ramp up in than in previous jobs. I can tell you, yeah, the first year analysts in banking are like quitting. Everyone's quitting right away. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a high burnout rate um, from this past year, but things are getting better as things open up slowly. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I haven't spoke to a ton of people about this, but I heard also banks are kind of adjusting their pay structure, right? To both, I guess, keep people and also get people more interested. Oh, yeah quick promotes higher bonuses. Yeah. It's yeah. They're, they're, they have a nutrition problem. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, I think banks are getting a little more creative with what schools are looking at. So I'm sure Georgia is going to get much longer. Look, um, kids from there. I'm just, because it's hard. They want, they want people who are going to stick around for more than just like a year. Um, right. but anyways, <laughs> Uh, I don't know recruiting any particular school is going to do that. I mean, but we'll, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it doesn't mean if you get a kid from wherever um, that they're not also going to be interested in P. Yeah. Um, well, what I heard they're doing is um, I guess when I was back in banking, it was more so 50, 50 in terms of the, the cash to bonus split, but now it's more 80, 20 or like 75, 25 or 80, 20. Oh, for the bulge brackets, they more stock. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's painful. It's painful. But, yeah, yeah. No, in terms of they're getting more of their salaries paid as opposed to oh, their bonus. Oh yeah, yeah, that meaning higher base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting, man. It'll be interesting to see how it how it all plays out. Well, anyways, I appreciate all the time you spent with us. Any any final words of wisdom, kind of looking back at your path? I, you've had, I almost call it like the. Uh, you're very comfortable, almost carving your own path. Not only graduating a year later, but also doing the same thing when you had to get home and passing up a private equity offer. Like that's pretty rare. Yeah. Any, I guess you said words of wisdom. Yeah. Any final words of wisdom, just looking back at your path, like, don't be afraid. Is the, is the lesson here that we should take away? Like, don't be afraid when it doesn't line up, the path doesn't line up perfectly. Like two, two, two. I'd say, I guess I would say that, um, you know, I think, well, one, I think you have to be self-aware to know what you're working with and kind of like if, if something's not, I guess, or I guess clearly going to be very difficult to achieve, then maybe set smaller goals. But also um, for me, I think it was just important to stay persistent and, um, you know, really pursue what I wanted and, and, and give it kind of a, you know, a meaningful effort and um, cover, you know, make sure that was, getting in contact with people, doing the right networking, and also setting myself up to get to where I wanted to, to go. Um, and I'd say that, yeah, it's just important to 
because I guess thinking back into even my UGA days, right? Like um, I remember talking to the the school recruiter, um, and I kind of told her. I remember I went to Hulahan Loki one day, and I told her, um, you know, yeah, I just went up there in a suit and and asked them for an interview, and then she got a little bit kind of I, I don't want to say frustrated, but she got a little bit concerned in that um, you know that may have been a little bit aggressive, and that she didn't want me to kind of um, I guess make you know give I guess a bad brand to UGA if if I did it the wrong way, right? Which I don't know if she. I did or didn't, right? But I think that you really just kind of have to, um, you know, be your own advocate and pursue what you actually want. And, um, you know, people are standing in the way and still give it your best shot. For sure. No, I like that. Yeah, don't be afraid of, like, doing it the wrong. It's more important to try, right, than just to have to think of doing it perfectly or whatnot um, and, and meeting people. It sounds like you learned early on to to just be reaching out and be a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, I guess it's just important to, you know, I tell people this that I, uh, I guess from UGA, it's just important to find ways to differentiate yourself when everyone's kind of doing the same thing. For sure. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, spending it and sharing your wisdom. Yeah, I appreciate it. Take care. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, Patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.